Hello, everyone, and welcome to the LifeSphere podcast, where we aim to shed light on the significance of innovation in life sciences, the people, the challenges, and success stories, all while educating, inspiring, and empowering professionals. And today, I am very honored to have as my guest, Dr. Sarah L. Peterson, CEO and founder of Wise Women Parliament, nonprofit, and certified prosthetist, orthotist, advocate, and educator. Dr. Sarah serves as a research scientist and and certified prosthetist orthotist. She holds a PhD in rehabilitation science from the University of Pittsburgh and has over 25 years of experience in the orthotic and prosthetic field, designing, fabricating, and fitting various devices. Dr. Peterson has served as an assistant professor with the University of Pittsburgh, Master of Science in Prosthetics and Orthotics, program for more than 12 years, teaching all aspects of orthotics and prosthetics. Her vision is to inspire, support, empower, and educate women living with limb loss or limb difference. She has the tools and resources to advocate for all persons living with limb loss or limb difference through her vast clinical experience, teaching experience, research knowledge, and her networking abilities. Her Accolades are outstanding, including being selected as OPGA finalist for Outstanding OMP Female of the Year Award, named OMP News 175 Leading Innovators in the Field of Orthotics and Prosthetics, and being awarded the AAOP Outstanding Educator Award. Dr. Peterson's recognition in the OMP field earned her an invitation to the 2016 White House event, Design for All showcasing assistive technology and honored with the fellow with distinction in March of 2023. Dr. Peterson's team has been recognized with the OPGA Freedom Award from 2017 through 2021 for improving the quality of lives for veterans through research and education. Dr. Peterson is a strong and vocal supporter of responsible advocacy and is active in helping to reform public opinion and the rights in the community for those who rely on assistive technology. Sarah, I'm so happy to welcome you today, and what an intro. Yeah, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, so, so many things. Uh, How, maybe you can talk a little bit about just how does somebody get started in a field like this? Um, And then, you know, given all the work that you've done and your experience in the company that you're with today, you know, how is it you come to kind of stand out in the field uh, with your organization? Probably a lot in that question. So, (laughs) yeah, so I entered the field of prosthetics directly out of high school. I knew that I wanted to make an impact and I wanted to to help people. I had this desire to help people and make a difference. So I entered the field. It was a male dominated field, but I knew that, you know, I wanted to, to be that person to make that difference. And watching people overcome adversity is amazing. So once I zer- observed the rehabilitation process after an amputation, I wanted to be mm-hmm. part of it. I wanted to help, and I knew I could. Um, so I found a school. I grew up in a small town in, in Wisconsin, and I found a school in Minnesota that I attended. Um, so learning the trade of designing and building a prosthetic device through this process to achieve like a proper fitting socket and then watching the person regain their function back is extremely heart wrenching and rewarding. So and I'm the, the first um, certified prosthetist orthotist with the Ph.D. 
um, to work as a clinician and a researcher with the VA. So I, I've wow. come a long way from wow. um, a high school student and pursuing yeah. my dreams of helping people um, and, and, and developing our wise women group. Wow, that's awesome. So, I mean, so now you're here on the East Coast in, in the greater Pittsburgh area, I guess. How did you come here? How did you make your way this way? Yeah, I was recruited by the University of Pittsburgh to teach prosthetics um, in 2009. Okay. Wow. So I moved here and then um, became the program director in 2015 uh, for five years. And uh, within those five years, I received my Ph.D. So I decided oh. my next step was to do research. So in doing that, in my research, I found that I, I had women participants in my projects and they wanted to know who the other women were. They wanted to meet other women and they wanted to know um, if other women were going through the same things that they were going through. So I knew because of research and HIPAA and the, the rules and regulations that I couldn't just start handing, you know, swapping information. So I talked to a couple of my colleagues and I said, let's start this um, group to inspire, support, and empower women living with limb loss and limb difference. So we, we wanted to offer like an environment um, with the support, like a very nurturing and safe environment for women. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're a group of STEM professionals and educators, and we just put together our logo and, and put together our um, mission and our vision, and, and here we are. And do you guys gather uh, in the greater Pittsburgh area? Is it a virtual? Are there more than one location? Right. So that's a good question. So right now we're virtual. So we started in June of 2021. Nice. And because the, the current or the existing or current group that met in person quit because of COVID, they quit meeting. Mm. And, you know, I had the tools and technology um, through Zoom to hold these to host these events. So that's that's what we did. But now we're um, planning our first event to meet July 14th. We oh. are going to have a flower arrangement um, event at the Phipps Conservatory. Oh, very cool. So we one of the ladies in our group um, arranged a professional florist to come in and teach us the basics of flower arranging. So it'll be really fun. That sounds exciting. So I have a question for you, um, for myself, actually. Um, what is the difference between um, when you talk about limb loss and limb difference? So, I'm sure. Yes. Right. So limb loss, you know, would be, you know, totally missing a foot or a hand. And then okay. limb difference could be that they're born with a congenital deformity. So it's oh, not okay. a total absence of the limb, just maybe a partial absence or um, so that's a, that's the limb difference part of it. Um, Understood. Oh, great. That's awesome. So with regard to your company, with the work that you're doing, I know you cater uh, to women who are living with the limb loss and limb and limb difference. But can you talk a little bit uh, maybe uh, about that and what makes your company stand out? Is it hard? In, in other words, do you, can you focus is it hard for you to focus on that? Can you find enough women? Is it, can you? Yeah, that's a good question. So in the greater Pittsburgh area, we've had about 40 to 50 women who have inquired about our group. 
but they don't all come to our online virtual meetings, but we hope that they'll come to FIPS. So we wanted to find a really good place to have our first in live, you know, in-person event. And actually they're hosting it for us outside in a tent in the back of the conservatory. So, you know, we could still take in the beautiful surroundings of the conservatory and we won't be inside. Yeah, that sounds um, great. But we have expanded and reached about eight to 10, eight to 10 different states um, oh, from wow. you know, Pennsylvania to Minnesota to Florida, North Carolina, Colorado, Washington State, California, New Jersey. So we've got quite the spread. Yeah, that's awesome. So I guess there's we're kind of segueing into challenges a little bit as we're talking about this. But um, what is or could you talk maybe a little bit about what you might see as, you know, urgent challenges or things that need to be addressed in this space that you're working in right now? Right. Well, one thing would be spreading the word, getting a, the word out there to let people know that we're here for them. And we can answer a lot of your questions with our diverse group of ladies. Like we've had ladies that have worn a prosthesis for 40 years. So they've wow. gone through dating, marriage, having children, the whole spectrum. Um, so that's just a wealth of knowledge that a doctor couldn't provide um, mm-hmm. even to the ladies. Uh, you know, but uh, one of the things I really want to focus on being a healthcare provider and a researcher is, you know, the wa- awareness of just health and wellness in that population um, mm-hmm. and also taking care of the existing foot. Because statistics show that when um, you know, somebody who has diabetes lose a foot, um, they may lose their second foot in three to five years. So we want to take care of of them as a whole person, but then also take care of that foot. Does that happen well, just because it's now the foot? Like it's it's just one foot available and there's so much work that that. Right, right. And then diabetes mm-hmm. and vascular problems, mm-hmm. complications doesn't help. But, but right, because they're putting all their weight on that foot or a lot of amputees will put more weight on their on their existing foot than on their prosthesis. Interesting. And so just because of the complications from the other, um, you know, pathologies or comorbidities, right. Yeah, that that contributes to it as well. Um, So do you get the opportunity maybe to add some of that uh, into what your research is, you know, so these other complications um, as you're looking at it, or are you more focused really on the person and the solution that's, you know, there for them? I mean, I'm looking at different ways of how we can look at preventing, you know, diabetes and also Mm. preventing the wear and tear of the foot. So Mm. looking at the tendons, Achilles tendon, the plantar fascia, the nerves in the foot, um, the foot and ankle. But then my PhD work was on, um, electrical stimulation, applying a neuromuscular electrical stimulation to the amputee's limb to see if we can build up that muscle mass and get rid of some of that atrophy that happens because okay. they're not using their muscles below the knee. Um, right. There's their foot's gone. Right. So that, right. that's one of my focuses for as far as my research. So it makes it difficult to exercise the the muscles in that part of the leg just simply because right. of the missing foot or whatever. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. And so all of that, there's probably tons of data that gets thrown off. Um, maybe just because I'm curious. Um, I know before we kind of started uh, 
the podcast you were talking about just what kind of technology exists in these prosthetic devices now um because i think it's kind of cool i think you were talking about bluetooth and um you know communication data collection sensors and things like that yes yes so prosthetics has de- has um, formed this relationship with robotics so it's really exciting um so, you know, besides the designing and customization of prosthetics using CAD or 3D printing that will you know, allows for more precise design, there's also sensor technology where we can collect data, um, where we can track where time and like the distance somebody's walked. And then we can also mm. you know, just look at general gate data um, and then Bluetooth technology, too, where um, they we have the computerized knee where it could talk to a, compu- a computerized foot. Um, so they're in sync and they can walk, um, I don't want to say more normal, but walk, well, like they, they could walk normal um, and a better gait. Like, better gait um, mm-hmm. Similar to their foot that they have, you know, to have that same movement. So it's two joints and the two joints are essentially communicating as if it was a normal leg where the joints, even though you don't know it's happening, your joints are communicating in order to make you be able to exercise or move forward to ambulate or whatever. And so these are, it's got to be huge technical advances, I guess, from what was the state of the art technology, say, 15 years ago. I'm sure it's come a long way just with all this new technology sensors, et cetera, right? Right. I guess the old ones were just not motorized, but just maybe just a standard joint. They're mechanical, yes, or pneumatic. So with fluids Mm -hmm. or hydraulic with fluids or pneumatic with air. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. So yeah, lots of capabilities, right? And I guess with all of the technology that's kind of, that's kind of coming um, at us, in some cases, fast and furious, it sounds like there are some opportunities for for advancements as we're kind of looking forward. And I wonder, you know, what do you see uh, as some, uh, what could be a great advancement in the life sciences right now, you know, as you're looking, you know, out from where, where you sit um, in your space? Well, I mean, definitely the technology that we just talked about in artificial intelligence, like we can go, you know, looking back at like the 3D scanners and 3D printers um, and the CAD CAM and the carvers. So mm-hmm. we can create um, a model that looks like the person's limb. So then we can make our device off of that model. Um, and that would speed up the process and the delivery of the device. Are they? Uh, um, I guess they're manufactured um, specifically, right? Like a unique solution per patient. Or do right. they have like it's, a standard and it's modified? It's all custom. So either mm. the limb is scanned or we mm. take a cast of the existing limb to make the socket that the limb fits into. Oh, interesting. So I think maybe as you're talking about all of these different things that need to be pulled together, it sounds like there's a lot of problem solving um, that you kind of have to pull together. Do you have a kind of a way that you think about problem solving or is there maybe an approach that you're thinking of that y- you've learned or something that's working well uh, as you go about this? It's, it's a lot of, pro- you've got a lot of things to kind of consider, I think, as you try and put a solution together for someone. Right. So the best way to approach these problems for our, our patients is to use an interdisciplinary approach 
So in the prosthetics field, we cater to the older populations. We need to make sure that they receive the best care possible. Mm. And it's imperative that the physician, the prosthetist, the therapist all work together, including, you know, possibly a nurse, a case manager, um, a rehabilitative specialist or a mental health counselor that all work mm. together to get the care that the uh, um, patient needs. And you were talking ABT. about, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Or they, the APT needs. Mm-hmm. And I guess as you are talking about your focus on women, I guess what can make it unique or specific to needs that, you know, like females might have is, and I know you said you cater to a more predominantly older population, but I'm sure you have folks that are younger and they need to, you know, participate, you know, get married, have kids, kind of, you know, raise kids or, or or do all those things as they move through their life. And I guess having that collaborative approach and interdisciplinary sort of problem solving, so you know, can treat the whole person, right, instead of just the specific point. Right. So what's nice about our group of wise women is that we have a variety of age ranges. So we do have ladies older so then they can talk about their life experience and share what they've done to the younger ladies so they know that what what's next or what could happen next or ideas and um, tips Mm -hmm. on uh, you know you know passing over or um, uh, you know fighting or overcoming this adversity you know Mm -hmm. of wearing a prosthesis. Maybe just because I think it's cool and not everyone gets to go to the White House. How was that? <laughs> that was really exciting. Really, it was really great. It was a super organized, great event. Um, okay. They brought us into an auditorium um, at the in the Eisenhower in the Eisenhower Building. Okay. And um, it, they did this really great program of. Uh, showing different technology that's out there and people from throughout the whole United States, the technology that they're working on from students, you know, to parents that developed clothing for their kids because their kids um, had, you know, one child had autism. She kept picking at the seams of her shirt. So they invented a shirt with no seams. So she can't pick the threads. Um, And then there was a, yeah, then there was another um, young man who had cerebral palsy and he had a hard time putting his shoes on. So that's what evolved from, um, I believe it was Nike that made the shoe that you slip on. So it was his idea. He worked with Nike to develop that. Oh, how great is that? Mm -hmm. So these are the kinds of things, you know, you don't think that's where it starts, but then it becomes into a more practical or, or everyday use case. And you don't even know when we buy sneakers, we probably, no one probably even thinks that or even is aware of that, you know? Right. That it, the idea came from this young man who had a hard time putting his shoes on. That is so great. That is so great. So, um, you know, you right up until March have uh, really been just earning a lot of awards and accolades, which I think is remarkable, which really speaks a lot about the work that you're doing. Um, as you're thinking, about the future again and 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 kind of all this digital capability and some people call it digital transformation. Um, I'm wondering what you're thinking, you know, as you look out in your industry, you know, what's possible or what do you even see that we can't even maybe dream about yet at this point in time? But, you know, 
where do you see it heading and what's the opportunities? Oh gosh, there could, it could be, it's, it's like endless. There's so many people working on so many new technologies, even, you know, to, um, you know, limb transplants or just robotics and um, implanting sensors or technology. So the person, well, this is already happening. The person can feel like their hand and, and feel that they're picking up something or holding someone's hand. I mean, that's already oh, wow. happening. Um, so the, the I guess the the ability to feel in touch with your prosthetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess that has to be the most difficult because I've actually seen th some some technology where you know they used to have the robot picking up cans and they used to just crush them, um, and now they're much more uh, delicate in their ability to kind of handle uh, fragile items and things like that. So. Um, then having the person actually being able to sense what it's sensing uh, would be amazing, I think. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. The, um, I mean, th there's so much possible, I think, that the technology is just going to probably, we, we like to say limitless, but of course, for those people who are waiting, it's never fast enough, um, you know, as, as we're trying to get. I think I heard you talk briefly back about the 3D printing. So is that more prevalent in your space than less now? Is that is that a solution that's being used? Yes, it is. Um, ever cool. since the the group, uh, they're called the Enable community, I believe they were 3D printing hands for little kids for for kids. Um, wow. They they started the whole 3D printing um, phenomenon in wow. um, prosthetics. Really? So, and then from there, now people are 3D printing like covers that go over their prosthesis or different parts and even um, the sockets they're trying to do. They're trying to make it strong enough so it could be something that somebody could wear. Mm. It, um, there's so much there, right? I just think it's so cool. Um, I, I heard someone talking about it and I just thought, well, that's a space definitely where I think you could see because it's unique and you're making a solution for a person. I guess when you think about it, the smaller the person is, the more difficult it probably is to make that that replacement limb to be the features. And then I guess they have to get them replaced as they grow. Right. So that's probably a challenge, too. Right. So that would be an affordable way to 3D print mm. the, the socket and the prosthesis. Mm, interesting. Interesting. So I think we've spent quite a bit talking about like what you're working on, the science, the technology, the possibilities and everything like that. Um, I just wonder with all that, one, how much free time do you have? Uh, sounds like you're doing an awful lot all the time for a lot of other people. I'm wondering if there's something that you love to do in your spare time, you know, a hobby or, or, or something um, of that. I've had some people talk about that they um, learned to sail. Some other people talked about maybe one day running a vineyard. <laughs> I'm just wondering, how about you? What What do you like to do? Yeah, so you know, my mind never stops thinking of projects or thinking how I can help people. And um, I've taught myself to sew. I, I learned it in school as well, but I taught myself to sew not just leather and materials, but um, more fabrics. So I've been... I've been designing these interactive blankets for children with autism. Mm. Um, 
so it would be like a quiet tool so they could be like in school or in a church and have an activity mm-hmm. that they can do where they're where they're quiet um, or where they need to be quiet, I guess. And then I'm also looking at creating some tactile sensory activity kits to, to use in schools. So when you say they're interactive, does that mean that they so is the blanket um, not just your standard flat blanket, but it has like different areas where they can interact with it? Right. So I have made some that have like tic-tac-toe game on there, your the oh. letters and numbers. So removable made out of felt. So okay. there's no, no choking <laughs> hazards. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Different learning how to tie bows, you know, to, to tie. Um, and then children with autism love to feel different um, types of material. And then they love that, that noise as well. So then there's some materials and some, um, you know, different combinations of things on there that would you know kind of pique their interest and keep them entertained yeah interesting and that's you're just doing that that sounds like another uh group you might need to start I know, I know. but it's fun it's very fun um to do but right yeah I that sounds do. amazing so so Sarah I really want to say thank you for a really awesome and amazing conversation Um, It's an area of life sciences I really didn't have a very good view into, and it is a really, really important uh, area for folks. Uh, You know, every disease is a challenge, uh, but I think this one in particular is is, can be very impactful and can result as of we talked about up at the top of the hour as a result of a disease um, or an accident or a veteran of some sort. So I think the work that you're doing is just awesome and amazing. Um, and for those of us that are interested um, in learning about the group, it's www.wisewomenpgh.com if you want to spread the word or if you're interested in learning more about it. And I'd like to say thank you, Sarah, for a really great conversation today. Yeah, thank you. Thank okay. you. You're very welcome.